Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. My waving minions are back at it once again. And we are going to be talking about the F1 2022 driver changes and just some news, just some, just some chat. We're in the middle of a, well, I say middle, three, two thirds of the way through a triple header. There you go, maths. Uh, and we thought we'd talk about all the news that's been going on because teams just decide to release all of their news at one at once. I don't know why that is. Maybe we'll discuss that. But uh, Tommy, the WTF1 founder, um, how are you feeling about uh, what's been going on in the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been pretty chaotic. Obviously, people know that the Bottas news got announced during our podcast, but we didn't really dive into it too much. And then obviously then that was the first piece of the puzzle. Well, I guess Kimi actually technically was the first piece of the puzzle. And everything has kind of gone on from there. And it's been pretty chaotic. It has indeed. And Katie, hello. Yeah, hello. Welcome once again. <laughs> uh, I bet you've been a busy, busy person the last, uh, last few days with, uh, with all the articles and news and whatnot. It's been an intense couple of days. I mean, we've had the whole season of people saying, when are we going to know announcements? When's this going to happen? When are you going to do that? And then they've gone, okay, right, here we go. And then just like new story, new story, new story, new story. So um, it's kind of similar to the week we had um, in between Bahrain and Sakir last year, where like everything just happened in one week at the end of the season. This is that week, this season. It's been intense. <laughs> so myself and Tommy have missed out on sleep because we've been doing a very exciting uh, little road trip, haven't we, Tommy, in a, in a DHL yeah. van? Uh, which Can you tell I've been to Zanfort? No, no. <laughs> of course you put it front and center in your shot as well had Shopping. to be done had to probably be done. not wearing it to be honest Disguise. no i was gonna it's tempting give us a little 12 do um, it like danny <laughs> Rick 12 that you saw. yeah team, team wc1 exclusive at the end absolutely uh, before we dive into it it's probably worth mentioning i am actually holding my microphone uh, it's not really windy where i am uh, you might be able to see it on the screen or not but um yeah i've just moved as you can see so it's a bit echoey bit run and gun because I can't find the bottom of my mic stand but hey if I just randomly throw my microphone it's because my arm has literally stopped working so uh, fingers crossed it won't but uh, I might have to change over a few times but we're here we're here the three of us are here me and you Tommy we're slightly delirious still did you have a good night's sleep last night I did I was okay, eight o'clock I went to bed and just literally was out out like a light absolutely love it right let's <laughs> dive into it then so let's talk about George to Mercedes shall we of course we kind of knew that was coming after Bottas was announced to Alpha, which will be a, another one obviously we speak about. But the big one is, of course, George going up against Lewis Hamilton next year at Mercedes when they're fighting for 15th and 16th on the grid whilst Williams is winning the championship. Uh, we, we kind of went back and forward, back and forward throughout the season. Well, I did at least. I think you guys were the same kind of thinking, well, will they just keep Bottas, be safe? Will they go for George? It's finally been announced we can all just retire now, can't we? Chill out. <laughs> I don't have to worry about waking up at 6am every day and thinking that Mercedes are going to share this announcement, which I was honestly the night before. So a little uh, look into behind the scenes of this kind of stuff. Um, so I had a draft article ready to go of George to Mercedes. And I, the night before I had a nightmare, I woke up like three in the morning, like sweating, like, oh my God, I've hit publish on the article and I've shared it on the socials. Oh my God, what have I done? It's completely, it didn't happen, but like, that's how much it was just on my brain the whole time is that I was starting to have blooming nightmares about this announcement. Is that why we accidentally posted an article a few weeks beforehand saying that George Russell comes to Mercedes? 
because you did it in your sleep. It's like a sleep. I didn't do it show. that one. I just I had too many. No, I had too many tabs open that time and was like, oh, I'll just click publish on that one. Then realized I'd accidentally shared a Russell to Mercedes <laughs> you article. You could just say you predicted the future, to be honest. So I'm just going to say yeah. that um, actually George and I were like best mates and he told me this ages ago. So mm. there you go. It didn't happen. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just glad these announcements are sort of done and out the way now and we can focus in on uh, Monza this weekend and the rest of the season. But I'm sure there will be the inevitable questions of how do you think so-and-so is going to do against this driver? And there's still one more seat to go as well, the Alfa Romeo seat alongside Bottas. So it's not over yet, but soon maybe. I'm just looking <laughs> at the chat and we had a comment from Alice saying Frank the psychic dog because he also uh, predicted the George move uh, in one of these podcasts. And yes, I will mention that Michael's saying, what did Tommy say before? Merck uh, are never going to have Lewis and George in the same team. I did say that and I was convinced. And I think it was more down to just Bottas's performances. You know, there's there's so many moments where I was like, surely, you know, they're, they're going to want to keep him. And then even, even, I kind of almost thought in Zandvoort, like, you know, this is why Bottas is the perfect driver that he can, he's up there enough, but not going to challenge. But then even still, he wasn't quite there enough to be able to challenge in that second pit stop. And I think that's what Mercedes will probably think. It's worth the risk of maybe a few fireworks at the start just to have a quicker driver, in theory, um, in there. Good point, Tommy. I like Good backtracking. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. I Let's admit. dive into the question. Oh, we're always wrong on this podcast, but that's the beauty of us being fans and making content for all of you. Uh, at Jack and 03401119. I feel like people Ooh. just make these accounts now just, just to uh, annoy <laughs> me. Can Mercedes realistically expect Russell to be as compliant as Bottas was if they consistently give him team orders from week one in 2022 to back off fastest laps, not defend, etc.? Will Russell accept the support role as readily in order to hand Hamilton another driver's championship? I don't think Mercedes are going to enforce that straight away. I think that's a conversation they'll have pre-season. That'll be something that they say, right, George, we've given you the seat. Let's not be silly now. It's a quick car. You know, it, there won't be a case of you have to literally just fall off the track every time Lewis is behind you. So I don't think it's going to be like that, especially when Mercedes don't really know. Obviously, they have a lot of data of Russell testing the car, but they don't exactly know how Russell will compete against Hamilton when it comes to round one. If he's quicker than Hamilton, it won't make any sense for Russell to you know fall back. Obviously, I don't particularly think that's going to happen but they're just going to have to be quite fluid with what they say and just kind of react to the first few rounds and then see how it goes, to be honest, because obviously George will be happy to, I'm sure, help where he can when it's necessary. But round one, I just don't see that being straight away, maybe midway through the season. Yeah, I think Russell's probably going to go into Mercedes and I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to go in and ruffle feathers straight away. Like he's got a good relationship with Toto and, and the Mercedes team there. You know, he's been part of their junior program for several years now. And before he was in F1, he was like shadowing Toto and stuff in the garage over race weekend. So he's familiar with, with the guys and girls that work there. But yeah, I think I'm sure wins will inevitably come next year if the car is competitive. I don't think, like you say, it's going to be a case of, um, you know, he has to drop off and let um, Lewis through every time. I mean, looking at the 2017 season when Valtteri Bottas got that promotion to Mercedes, 
um, he got a win in the fourth race of the year. So I think it will it will happen. Um, but George has now just got to make that decision of like, how is he going to approach this whole scenario? Is he going to go in as the nice guy and maybe change his attitude as the season progresses? Or is he just going to settle for that number two driver, get all the experience he can, learn from Lewis Hamilton, because that's going to be something that I know he was a teammate to Kubica before. And obviously Latifi is also fairly new to the whole F1 thing, but learning against a seven-time world champion is going to be absolutely invaluable for him. And maybe he just puts in the good results, does the work, and then waits for Lewis to retire, which could be after this current contract finishes, um, and then just take that number one role in the team rather than risk going in, causing loads of fireworks, loads of drama and that kind of stuff. And then Mercedes turn around and go, actually, do you know what? You were a bit too hot-headed and we don't really want you after all of this. See you later. I think that would be part of it, wouldn't it? And it's probably something that I wouldn't be surprised if has been spoken I think we're all in agreement that he's not going to be there in the first race and say he's, um, like you say, Bottas in 2017. They weren't in the fourth race. They let him win. They weren't saying, you know, get out of the way and let Hamilton through. And then, you know, later in the season, Hamilton's ahead. Then those team orders start coming into play. I don't think he's going there to be a number two driver, but I'm also adamant that he's not going to be the kind of person you know, he, he's going to appreciate the opportunity and play it in the perfect way of not being too aggressive and, you know, crazy because that's not what Mercedes need. Example, I don't feel like if George is ahead, they're going to let him, you know, say, get out of the way for Hamilton. But say Hamilton's leading and George is maybe fast approaching near the end of the race. And the team say, hold position because we just want to secure maximum points and probably thinking, don't want you guys to race each other because uh, we don't want another Rosberg situation. I feel like George would agree to that if, you know, especially like early in the championship when he's he's there alongside Lewis and he's just getting you into that team and stuff. So I feel like he will be sensible with it. And it might take him a bit of time to get up there, but I don't think he's going to be a flat out number two. I think the only reason that, not the only reason, but Bottas being a number two driver at Mercedes has just been because of his results, really. Like you think about it, it's because they know, you know, he had a couple of chances to do it when they were the only team, but now it's Hamilton. And a lot closer with Verstappen, of course, they're going to use him as an, a number two because they know that he can't challenge Verstappen, yeah. whereas Hamilton can, so they need him. Um, so I think Mercedes will play it fair. Play it fair. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we kind of play it down. Yeah, George will, you know, do as is told. But on the flip side, you don't know what, what happens to a person when they're leading a race, you know? Or when <laughs> Dive bomb, for a win. turn one. I don't think he's going to do a round one. 21, 100%. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he would be as, uh, you know, rebellious as that. But, you know, this is an enormous opportunity for George Russell to go down in the history books as beating the greatest of all time next year. If he, you know, and obviously, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, would write him off if it was similar regulations to last year. But we are going into a very much clean slate next year. Doesn't really matter how much time Lewis has been in the team, just because George has been a junior driver for many years as well. So he knows 
uh, how that team works. And that's the whole reason he's been a junior driver is because eventually they wanted to give him the, the top uh, top seat. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think it will be the, you know, the, the sensible approach for George, but you never know if he starts winning the championship in the first few rounds. It could be, uh, it could be really, really spicy. I think it is the most, for me, it is the most exciting driver move probably since Sebastian Vettel left Red Bull because... Yeah. Because it's what the fans, we've said it so many times on this podcast, every time people were saying, why, you know, they need to get rid of Bottas and put someone else in. And we're like, you know, Mercedes don't have an obligation to make it exciting and put someone really exciting in the car. But my word, have they put someone really exciting in their car (laughs) alongside uh, a driver that, you know, you've also got the potential that even, you know, say George isn't beating Hamilton on pace or even in his second year, he's, you know, up to speed and doing a, a Charles Leclerc, what Charles did to, to Vettel, for example. Um, or if Hamilton's had some bad luck and is maybe down in the in the title. I've never seen that situation where, you know, like Hamilton would have to help a teammate win the championship. It would be so <laughs> bizarre. Be over his dead body. Um, yeah, well. it like would, would be... not let that happen. Exactly. So there's so many, so much potential spice uh, with this lineup. <laughs> I cannot wait already. Bring it on. And I think just one more point on that was that uh, Mercedes really had to sign George Russell this uh, for next year. Otherwise, they run the risk of him just being like, well, clearly I'm not getting the opportunity that you guys promised me. If they continue to go with Bottas, who is underperforming, you have to say. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Mercedes have had to go with it. I think it's probably the right decision in terms of keeping someone that could be a Lewis Hamilton in terms of pace. We don't know, though. All we've seen is Russell versus Latifi. So let's not get ahead of ourselves as to how good or bad that Williams is. We haven't really seen him go up against someone who's an experienced competitor. So who knows? Very exciting. I love it. Uh, next question. At OTBet. H-U-C-B, wouldn't George be under enormous pressure? Media, hype, high expectations next year, which might affect his performance. Last two years, he was relaxed, as no one really expected anything from Williams. Now, this is a really good question because, well, yes, he will be under a lot of pressure. And he's not exactly the perfect, well-rounded driver yet. We've seen quite a few mistakes from George, you know, crashing under the safety car in Monza as much as, you know, his tyres were cold, whatever, and it was sad to see. It was a huge mistake. He also made a mistake, I think, in Austria, where he ran wide out of a points-paying position. and. He's, he is prone to a mistake. And I think that that will probably um, elevate a bit more going into next year where he has to be, you know, pinpoint perfection next year to beat Lewis Hamilton. So that I think could overspill a few times. I expect maybe a few crashes in the first sort of few races where he's overdriving the car. Of course, we saw that only in Zandvoort where he crashed in qualifying as well, overdriving the Williams. So, yeah, I think that we could see a few mistakes from George. That'll allow Lewis to probably, you know, take over than what take over but continue in the number one role in my opinion so yeah we might see some mistakes from george yeah exactly he's he's it's a very different ball game to be at the front i know he's had that opportunity so he can say yes when the most pressure he's ever had is probably in that mercedes seat when he had essentially one opportunity to prove himself and he did and he would have won the race but it's very different to do that for 21, 22 races a season. Charles Leclerc, in my opinion, is one of the top tier drivers on the grid. And he came into uh, 2019 in that car. 
you know, starting to be really good and they had an amazing car that season. And even Charlotte Clare's, you know, an amazing driver and was so good in all the junior categories and was incredible in a Sauber and really consistent, binned it in quite a few races because the the pressure is so different. I'm not saying um, it's George has had an easy road, but him finishing 11th in a Williams and surprising everyone is so different to being in a car where if you don't win, that's not the best result. Like, like win minimum every single race. And that is such different pressure to being like, oh, well, if I get a point, it's incredible. Um, and like you say, we saw that with Leclerc had a few, you know, a couple of crashes, but then also his amazing performances, you know, at Monza and Spa and stuff. And it took him a while to get involved. So I could see something very similar um, happening with with George, where maybe you know has a few few incidents early in the season, but then starts to le- like learn more and bring that consistency, which is probably the hardest thing about about winning a championship and and doing it is having that level. That's why Hamilton's so good, despite people thinking you know it's just the car, but it's not. When you're in a car where you have to you know win every single race, it's not as easy as just Oh, just win every race. It's fine. It's yeah. a lot harder than that. I think Leclerc's actually a great example. Um, we've seen other drivers on the grid that maybe have been promoted, like looking at Red Bull, for example, the likes of Gasly and Albon. Like they had really promising careers, get promoted. Some might say too soon. I'm not saying that George has been promoted too soon, but they have struggled at that top team and that affects them and their confidence. And, you know, Gasly has managed to sort of get that confidence back and going to Alpha Tauri and having a team that's like almost solely built around him rather than being second to Max Verstappen. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how he, um, even like his behavior changes and stuff like that. Cause um, looking at Bottas, obviously going from Williams to Mercedes, um, I saw something, I think it was on TikTok the other day of like how You're much Bottas is, I know, but I think somebody done like an edit of, and sorry if I don't, I don't know the username or anything, but like how Bottas was at, at Williams and how he's not necessarily Mercedes have molded him into this PR machine, but just like his characteristics and stuff like that, he's become a lot more serious um, having joined Mercedes. And that is probably a lot to do with, the pressure that's been there and and how you know he is representing what was the best team on the grid um and with that is a lot of a lot of pressure having to make sure that you're doing well for the team both on and off the track so it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how Russell gets on but I feel like he this is be famous last words and I hope I haven't just jinxed George Russell's entire F1 career but (laughs) he seems like yeah he seems like the kind of driver that we've seen so far who We'll have little hiccups here and there, but generally will be a solid, reliable pair of hands at that Mercedes. Lovely little segue as well as we're about to talk to, uh, about Bottas. Um, but um, before we do, uh, I think George will be that kind of driver that's able to develop a car because one thing that I noticed when I've spoken to him or I've interviewed him is how unbelievably detailed he is in describing things. Like he could literally describe to you a slice of toast for half an hour and you'd be interested till the very last second because he would literally just dissect everything. And it's, it, it's so eloquent in the way he speaks as well. And it's not something you, you tend to see that much 
in the well, in, I'm not saying that everyone else can't speak, but it, it's it's kind of just that extra level in my opinion. But uh, we'll see. We're going to find out from next year, especially you know developing a brand new car and brand new regulations. It's going to need to be a lot uh, that goes into that. But I mean, Lewis with all the experience and George being the you know the, this you know rapid young kid is, uh, I mean, it's a recipe that could dominate the championship or it could be spicy as we've said anyway yes Bottas to Alpha of course that was announced before George to Mercedes that Mercedes of course don't look like the bad the bad people here by sacking Bottas so instead it's a new chapter in Bottas's career I'm not sure what if this will be a good chapter or not but uh, at World City Transit asks why did Bottas move to Alfa Romeo and not Williams potentially more monies at Alfa Romeo maybe he also sees there's a slight more potential there than at Williams because obviously he has been at Williams previously uh, maybe he would just wants a bit of a change as well from the fact that as I say he started at Williams and you know he's been there done that almost so perhaps he uh, you know he also sees an opportunity to be flat out number one at Alfa Romeo and he can kind of build the team around him so there's lots of reasons I think why Bottas obviously didn't have that many choices available to him but you know he's still on the grid I think he'll enjoy it more, even if he's not challenging for wins. I think he will enjoy having that, you know, that say in the team that maybe he hasn't had so much at Mercedes. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised when uh, the Bottas to Alpha rumours started, because to me, going to somewhere like Williams uh, seems like the right decision to make, you know, remaining within that Mercedes bubble and all that kind of thing. But like you say, it could be a case of money. It could be a case that... um, Fred Vasseur said, like, here's our PowerPoint, here's our five-year plan, and this is what we're going to do. And um, he was just taken by it and thought, actually, maybe I do need a clean slate and I need to change my surroundings, change the people that I'm working with um, and have a different challenge. Uh, and, yeah, he decided upon Alfa Romeo. But I'm, I'm interested to see how they're getting on. Obviously, they've had Kimi and Gio there for such a long time that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how a different lineup is going to um, change how the car is um, and see if it performs any better in these new regulations. But yeah, I think that's probably uh, my thoughts on that. Sorry, but- Casey, I was just trying to find my charger. I was listening to you. Uh, <laughs> that's all right, just, mate. Just heard, beep, 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 and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. That's like, cool, cool. Yeah, but- Bottas, for me, I feel like... Not not ego involved, but in terms of like the the narrative of him going Williams, Mercedes back to Williams, even if Williams are all right, um, it kind of it looks better that he's kind of gone. Oh, I'm going to a new team and building it around me, and I'm because let's be honest, we'll go into this later about the the second alpha seat, but it's going to be someone inexperienced that's going to be there. Um, so essentially, yeah, he's going into that team as a, a number one driver. And it, I mean, there was rumours saying that Williams wanted Bottas as their first choice, which I'm not surprised. Like, seems like a good good choice for him to go back there. Um, but yeah, I do wonder if in his head he's thinking, well, you know, like I've done the Williams thing. I don't want to get to Mercedes and then go back to the team that I started in. And while they are on an upward spiral, you know, they're still one of the bottom teams um so yeah it could be it's it's an interesting move um and there's talk that he could be there for for quite a long time um but it's going to be one of those things where 
he could he could be like like good once he gets his confidence back because I think it's it's mad how much a confidence seems to I don't know if it's just more recently but like we've noticed it but drivers like mental state and stuff seems to affect it so much you know you saw um Albon and Gasly like you know couldn't handle handle it in in Red Bull and Bottas was people people forget you know he, he was pretty de- he was well he, in fact when he was at Williams he was being talked up as you know a really good driver and people thinking he's you know he's going to be like a top talent and then when he joined he was like not too bad and then 2020 seemed like the perfect you know number two driver that could beat Lewis on his day and then this year it's just just plummeted down so I think it's one of those things where just join a new team that really wants him and you know rebuild his career from there really yeah I mean you speak about the mental state absolutely you know imagine anyone going to work at you know in 2021 and thinking that your job's under threat and you might not have a drive or you might not be employed uh, you know, it, it does affect you even if you're you know doing the most simple of tasks so you know performing under the immense pressure and also having the yeah we don't know if we believe in you or not anymore must be really tough and that's the reason why all drivers you know should or do have mental coaches and you know people to to maintain this sort of solid positive mental attitude because they need it in order to to perform week in week out so uh so yeah it's uh going to be I think it's going to be a good move for Bottas as much as it is a down the ladder move I think for his own you know I feel like he's probably quite happy that he's won races you know maybe wanted to win a one one world championship but it just didn't work out now it's time to you know a new chapter as he says so we'll see we'll see hopefully Alfa Romeo will take steps forward but who we literally don't know I mean Alfa Romeo might be a podium you know winning team who knows? one of the one thing I saw quite interesting I think it was on uh, one of the videos from the race. They were talking about Bottas's 2021 performances meant that he um, essentially, like, you know, he's slipped down the pecking order a bit in terms of, uh, and also seats have been taken. Um, you could argue that if he'd have left Mercedes in 2020, he could have been, you know, the second Red Bull driver or stuff because he's that solid, solid number two. And it, it, it's a strange thing with Bottas that you know, he's gone to to Mercedes and then maybe like back down, but he could have easily become a Red Bull driver or Ferrari, yeah. you know, because because he is that. Especially in twenty twenty two, you saw he was you know seen as that brilliantly solid second driver that would be consistent pickup points and if you've got a good car, help you win a constructors title. You can't blame him for staying at Mercedes, though, can you? I mean, it's, no, not at all. That's what I mean. It's all <laughs> you have the hindsight. Best job in the world, and then you go, eh, let's go down the field a bit because you know who knows. But yeah, as you say, it is. It's all timing. Some of it you literally cannot even, you know, judge yeah. decide. So, yeah, uh, I wish Valtteri uh, all the best, and hopefully we'll see maybe a slightly more lively, lively. Uh, I hope so. Character. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? We interrupt this WTF one podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode, Manscaped. Manscaped have just launched their brand new fourth generation performance package. You can join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code WTF1. 
It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Plus, it's waterproof. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WTF1 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code WTF1 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Um, should we talk about the person that did go to Williams, Mr. Alex Alban? Um, nice surprised. to see him back on the grid. You know, we weren't the kindest about his performances when he was at Red Bull, but I think that was, you know, reasonably deserved because of, I'm afraid you know, that is F1 yeah like, unfortunately it's a competitive sport and if you're not performing um yeah you're gonna have to expect some criticism but absolutely yeah. and I think that Albon you know now that we've seen obviously Gasly previously and now Perez as well it's it's kind of almost not really a, a mark of how good or bad he is because everyone seems to struggle and, and <laughs> I am now very much of the opinion that it is there's something you know fundamentally wrong with how that Red Bull team is set up, or at least how they want to be set up is okay. Max wins everything, and whoever the second driver comes in, as long as they're somewhere near, that's good. But clearly there are struggles there, so I'm really interested to see how Alex does uh, this time when we when he goes to Williams. It's great to see him back in the sport because he's such a lively, happy character, and I hope we see that Alex that we saw sort of at the start where he was kind of happy-go-lucky. So, you know, amazingly chuffed to be an F1, not towards the end where he just wanted to kind of give up and get out of the paddock, to be honest. Uh, let's ask a question. At Damien PSB, what do you think Alban and Latifi's performance will be in 2022? Because let's be honest, Williams' announcement is the most polarising one. I think they'll probably struggle, personally, with Alban not exactly, well, neither of them being particularly experienced going into a, a brand new regulation set who knows? I think that obviously Williams have been taking steps forward, a lot of that down to George. Uh, I don't know if Latifi was the right choice for, for Williams to continue on with, in my opinion, especially with how badly George smashed him throughout the entirety of them being teammates. So, yeah, a bit of a weird one, because obviously Williams said that they didn't mind, you know, didn't have to go with pay drivers, they're financially stable, but then carried on with Latifi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they kept him, to be honest, in yeah. terms of just just simply because we now get to see how good Alban is and you get that, you know, that judge because essentially the most interesting thing about the driver moves, which we've all kind of alluded to a little bit before, is that in 2022, it's almost like a clean slate. It's a completely different car. You can't use the excuse of, oh, this person's been in for a while. So... It's tough. I think it's actually quite tough for Albon because if he's on par with Latifi, that's not good enough. It's not nowhere near good enough because, yeah. like George, beat him every single weekend, uh, other than you know the the points or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. let's be honest, like l lucky and you know, um, in terms of pace, George would always beat him, always in qualifying. So if Albon isn't you know beating him at least like 
18-2 and qualifying, you're thinking, well, how far, you know, how good is Albon and how much is he actually realistically going to potentially rebuild his career and move up the grid again? Um, So it's kind of, yeah, Albon, if Albon does absolutely annihilate Latifi, then... There you go. He kind of has to. He kind of has to. It's 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 a difficult situation for him to be in, really. And I'm very surprised until the obviously it seemed there's been a lot of rumors now, and you go, okay, seems like this is going to happen. But when it was first announced, I was thinking like Albon to Williams makes no sense. This whole this whole driver market has been like the F1 game where really random <laughs> people are like moving teams because. Formula One now, you're so used to like De Vries is a Mercedes junior driver, so he has to go to Williams. And then George Russell goes up to here, and then Bottas is Mercedes, so he goes there. And Albon is Red Bull, so he goes into the Alpha Tauri. And this this year, that seems to have gone all out the window, and people just hire who they want, which personally, I much prefer. Yeah, um, yeah. I would much rather see that because I find it quite annoying that when a seat's free, there's only an option of who That's your junior driver is or whatever. It? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> But I'm, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, even now, like obviously at Alpine, Esteban Ocon is staying there, yet he is um, still managed by Toto. So you could argue there's a conflict of interest there. And then we've got Guan Yu Zhou being rumoured to go to the al- other Alpha seat, who is an Alpine junior. <laughs> and it's like, it makes, like, I honestly was thinking... It makes sense for Nick DeVries to go to Williams because he has that Mercedes link and with the relationship that Mercedes and Williams are going to be having from 2022, sort of helping each other out with technical partnerships and stuff like that. Seems like a solid, solid move. Keep him in the Mercedes family. But they've instead gone with Albon. Um, and although Red Bull confirmed that they've released him from his contract, they've still said they're going to be monitoring his progress and like looking at how um, Jos Capito was speaking about it, he was just kept being like, Alex Albon is a Williams driver. That is it. And like repeated that several times, even though people were like, well, what if Sergio Perez isn't performing and they want to, you know, promote Gasly up to Red Bull and then there's a space, uh, like a spare seat at Alpha Tauri going, what happens then? Can you take Albon back? And he was just like, Alex Albon is a Williams driver. And like, there's no real definitive you know he's rinsing his hands of Red Bull or anything like that he even like in the promotional pictures for the Williams uh contract he's got Alpha Tauri merch on which I was like could you not have picked just the plain white t-shirt like it, I don't that know to me, just, that to me suggests he might hmm. still have like a Red Bull helmet and yeah because yeah, it, it has happened it has happened um no science sense. science had it at Renault <laughs> uh for at least one year if you remember when science moved to Renault he did have the Red Bull logos on his helmet still for one year and then eventually cut ties. So maybe it is, um, you're going to like me. Renault you're gonna like providing me for this. Red Bull with their power units then. So there was still some sort of tie. Yeah, that was another thing that, you know, they could potentially mm. end up being Williams Red Bull powertrains. But another thing maybe is, and this is a bit of a segue, but they can, they can essentially have their fifth driver in Formula One, because I know a lot of people saying, you know, Red Bull, you've got four seats. Yeah, and come on. You can't, you can't want Albon that much because you're not giving him one of your four seats. Um, yeah, but, the interview, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Uh, with Christian Horner, where he was like, 
what uh, wasn't the other question something about oh you know are you going to let Alban go or something like that or like something about the seats anyway and it, it basically reading between the lines was yeah no we don't want him in any of this in any of our seats but uh, we'll, we'll support him in anything else sort of thing so. yeah but maybe maybe it is a case of seeing how like Sonoda does next year or something when he's got alongside Gasly in same cars with a bit more experience and then maybe that's when they bring Alban back or they say no we are definitely going to release you now you do you you do you hun <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I that's, that's exactly what Christian Horn said yeah. I can't get my head around the fact though that there isn't something in these drivers contracts that allow them to go to what could technically be a rival team like at the Red Bull like he, Alex Alban is their development driver he has helped shape what could be the constructor championship winning car this year. And yet he's able to like toddle off down the paddock to go and join Williams and their Mercedes power car. It, it to me it seems it works strange, both it works both ways as well. Because you know yeah. a lot of people saying um Mercedes don't want Album to go there because he could, you know, uh get all these Mercedes secrets and then go back. Equally, Mercedes could be like, well, you know, we've got simulator driving knows everything about Red Bull. Help us build a Red Bull, please, Alban. <laughs> Would they really want that? What? I mean, Alban's not Williams. really... I, mean, I, don't, I think Mercedes have more to lose than gain from having Alban uh, involved, and that's probably why there was so much discussion about cutting the ties. And I'm very surprised that the ties haven't been cut, but I imagine there's probably something in there around Alban's not allowed to look at the engine or something. I don't know. Like you, you just you wonder what the clauses will be within his contract as to how much he'll actually know about that Williams car. It's, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? It seems so weird to me if they're going to genuinely have clauses in the contract that limit Alban to like properly get his hands dirty at that team. Because for me... Obviously, I'm not a Formula One driver. Surprise! What? Um, I know. Oh, I sorry, sorry to disappoint. Oh. <laughs> um, but I, as a driver, I'd want to be able to like know everything and, like I said, I'd get my hands dirty and not constantly be like, "Oh, sorry, you can't come in this room. It's a top secret." Like it just doesn't seem like mm. a relationship like that is ever going to work. Maybe just signed an NDA or something. I don't know. But then I don't think those go very far either. Hey, that didn't uh, work very well. If somebody managed <laughs> to take a picture of him having his Williams photo shoot yeah. that went viral on Twitter a few days beforehand. <laughs> Anyway, there you go. There's uh, Alban to Williams. How about let's talk about, how about let's talk about, good English, Yuki <laughs> Sonoda stays at Alpha Tauri. Zero Kieran 3 asks, does Yuki Sonoda deserve the Alpha Tauri seat or should they have got Alban back in that team instead of Williams where it's unknown whether they will be competitive? In my opinion, from a competitive standpoint, they've missed a big trick by not putting Alban with Gasly, in, because I, I just think that Albon will be much better than than uh, Sonoda next year uh, if they were both to be in that seat. So clearly there's more around it, probably to do with the Honda ties and things like that as to why Sonoda's staying for another year, because his performances have been underwhelming, to say the least, after such a positive start in Bahrain. I know he's a rookie, but at the same time, you know, he's a great guy. We really like him, but his results haven't improved, really. Like, he's... If anything, he's got worse over the season. So I I kind of, I'm quite glad for him that Red Bull have obviously thought, oh, let's give him another year. 
I imagine there's more contractual things like that, i.e. the Honda deal, et cetera, as to why they're keeping him for another year. But it also allows him another year to grow, which, you know, if he doesn't show a significant... <laughs> no not height. Yeah. That to be like that. Um, he reached the pedals, hopefully, by the end of 2022. Oh, Katie, you can't say I mean, that. I'm a short oh, ass too, so yeah, I feel Katie's like I can make that comment. Yeah, true. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I think if he doesn't show a significant improvement next year, that'll be it. Because, of course, Honda are leaving as well. And, uh, yeah, I, he has to be consistently scoring points, only a few tenths off Gasly. And then you, you stay in Formula 1. Anything worse than that, I think his, his days may be numbered at, at Red Bull slash Avatari. Yeah, sorry. I was too busy looking at the chat. <laughs> That's fine, Katie. On my orange pillows. As soon as you um, had that one second of, of Tommy not coming in, you were like, oh no, this is my like, go, oh, isn't it? I've messed up. <laughs> What's the chat saying? Let's, let's mention actually, that, of course, that Team WTF1 members are watching live right now. Welcome to everybody. Aki T, Aiden F, Izzy Hollingsworth, Sardi Fish, Eve H, uh, to name a few. Uh, anything of interest that you saw, Katie, or should we just dive into your thoughts about I just saw somebody commenting on the uh, orange pillows that I have behind me. Um, always obsessed with your cushions. <laughs> always, always, and I'm actually. Well, they can't really on. comment about anything that I'm. Uh, I've got. <laughs> yeah. <Some nice laughs> wow, that lights, white door, LEDs. that white radiator. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll be honest. I was slightly surprised to see them re-sign Yuki. Um, like you say, there's probably dealings going on behind the scenes as to why he's been kept on, uh, because well, we've seen how ruthless the Red Bull are with their program and getting people out when they're they're not performing as well as expected. Um, maybe Dr. Helmut Marco's turned a new leaf and he's no. going to be really kind and keep no. Yuki there for a life. If, if, so, if anything, the older he gets, probably the more grouchy he's going to get as well. So, so true, so true. Uh, but yeah, I thought that Albin and Gasly would be like a proper little um, power duo together. Um, but... Yeah, I, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think Gaz is ever going to get promoted to that Red Bull seat. We've spoken about it on the podcast before that I don't know what Red Bull are doing, what kind of carrot they're dangling in front of Gasly and being like, we promise you're going to get a Red Bull seat if you just carry on. And every year he seems to fall for it and thinks, well, maybe I could get promoted. Or maybe he's just genuinely quite content with Alpha Tauri. You know, he has proven that he can win a race with them under quite exceptional circumstances but he's still got a race win to his name that he'll take uh but yeah we'll we'll wait and see but I don't know to be honest where else Gasly could go because at the moment at the moment like there are so many people in Formula One that are are struggling to find better seats like I'm of the of the opinion that Valtteri Bottas probably should have been aiming for a better seat than an Alfa Romeo but obviously there's only so much available um, and there is so much young talent like little piranhas snapping waiting for that opportunity to come up um, and although it seems like half of the F2 paddock have been rumoured for this um, Alfa Romeo seat alongside Bottas and stuff like looking at the future and the contracts that are being signed because we're seeing people like Esteban Ocon now from till 2024, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, like Lando Norris, all these contracts that are being signed are like long-term contracts. And it does beg the question of like, how is this going to be for young people and young drivers coming up that are actually going to get F1 opportunities? Because at the moment there is literally like almost everyone in Formula One deserves to be there and deserves to have like a long future in Formula One, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's uh, 
it's a case of uh, I feel really bad for Callum Eilert because I think if he doesn't get that Alfa Romeo seat I'm afraid I don't think he's going to be in Formula One which is a great shame because he's a mega talent as well um but there's lots of stories like that that I think we're going to be seeing over the next few years of people that are doing a fantastic job in F2 and F3 that just don't get that step up to Formula One yeah it's it's strange because you're almost saying you can almost see it like a bad thing but then also at the same time it shows how talented this grid is it's crazy the amount of talent on the grid I personally think it's one of the best in ages Gasly's a strange one because it looks I guess it looks good for Gasly to stay at AlphaTauri for example the last race he was brilliant you know out qualifying Perez beating Perez who's in the rather than going back risking getting trounced by Verstappen again and then he's only going to be when a seat does come up in a good team, he might go there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, no, he might end up going there and it'd be, he is just waiting, isn't he, essentially for that seat. And with Sonoda, he's been given essentially a lifeline of, right, you've got this this year to learn and then you need to be exactly what you said, like closer to Gasly when we start in 2022 new cars, both drivers going in with a new car. So there's, again, no excuse of, oh, you've been in the team for ages. Um, you know, he's got a bit more, he's had a year of experience. And then, go guess. I mean, of course, you know, I like Yuki and I'm happy that he's doing another year because it would be a shame for them to just fire him because we've seen, I know it's a has, but we've seen how crash-happy Mick and uh, Mazepin have been as well. Um, it does seem like all the rookies that have come up from F2 have been quite crash happy and and struggling quite a lot. Um, so giving him that other chance, I think it would just be a case of let's see. And personally, would I think Albon would... I don't feel like Albon would do... And it, well, the thing is, Albon's an unknown. I guess it's, it's that's the <laughs> thing with Albon. I'm like, would he be loads better? Yes, but then not uh, now. Yes, he, yeah, I think so. But 2022, I don't know. We'll see. Because Albon's such an unknown, isn't he? But then, would he go back and be as amazing as as Gasly? Is it's hard to know. It's that that second Red Bull seat, like you say is almost like no, you, you can't gauge their talent. You could put anyone in it and you have no idea if they're good or not. Exactly. It's very strange. The answer strange. is put Lewis Hamilton in there. I, oh my God, like I was literally about see. to say that. Like, not even joking, yeah. I was about to say, put Hamilton in Red Bull, let's see. Oh, we're just so insane. Oh my God, my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, yes, so obviously it's good to see Yuki stay for a year. I, you know, When you look at it on paper, he doesn't deserve probably with everyone waiting in the wings to carry on for another year. But it's nice to see that he can have that next year. And then if he doesn't improve, Tommy, I'm sorry, mate, but we're going to... Who is waiting? Who's waiting? Who do you think is actually waiting in the wings? Because I can't really think of anyone. <laughs> well, I'm, I, well, I mean, in terms of like Albon really was my main sort of thing in, in terms of I'm yeah. sure Albon probably wanted to go to Alpha Tauri rather than Williams. Have his chance uh, to so, do what Gasly yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
Okay, moving on to the last seat. Team WTF one member Isaac AB asks, what is the most interesting outcome for the Alfa Romeo second seat? Who do you think deserves it? And who do you personally want to see get it? Those are going to be two different answers, I think. Um, <laughs> it's a difficult one, really. Of course, Bottas is going to be the number one driver there. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, did you say? Well, yeah, that's the, yeah. Uh, that's that come out like of nowhere. Hot, that's honestly that's, the favorite at the moment. That's come out of nowhere, so as you bizarre. say. And Alpine so Junior just being like, you know what? I fancy Alfa Romeo now. Fine. <laughs> uh, of course, Callum Ilo w- wanted that seat as well, but I just don't think, as I've said before, he has enough financial backing in order to get him that seat. If he did, I think he may well be in with a good shot of getting into Formula One, but I just don't think he has that. Of course, he could still have a very successful career in IndyCar and you know, doing other sort of motorsport series. So who knows? But uh, who do I think deserves it? I can't believe that that final seat, if you'd have said there'd be a, a like a seat free, you just you just think right, Ferrari Junior definitely, Schwartzman's getting it, or you know Mick moves up and then Schwartzman goes to Haas. Or I can't believe we're discussing that, and it seems like it's going to be between a Mercedes Junior and an Alpine Junior. It is so bizarre. Are we throwing Antonio straight into the bin now? Is that Yes, because gone? me and Katie actually were chatting about this earlier and had exactly the same theory that if if Antonio was being announced, it would have done Italian that. Grand Prix, Italian... T- that is the only reason, in my opinion, why it's not being announced, is because it would be harsh to throw Antonio out in his home race and yeah. announce <laughs> it at his home race. Um so next week, <laughs> um, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think too little, too late for Antonio. Um, I mean, interesting outcome is a very different question because obviously if we're talking interesting, you'd put someone absolutely ridiculous and silly in it for entertainment. Uh, but deserving it. DeVries. I, I would like to see DeVries in F1. I think he deserves to be in F1, personally. And I think he's... Better than Guan Yu J. A we'll lot see. better. I, th- I think, yeah, it'd be better, I think, to see De Vries. Obviously, he's won the Formula E World Championship. How much that will actually <laughs> carry over to Formula One, I don't think very much. But um, clearly, he's got F2 minerals, champion there as, I like as well. To say. You know, he's, he's F2 champion in probably one of the less, less slightly underwhelming seasons compared to, to others, because obviously everyone had sort of been promoted then. The, the, the Leclerc's, the Russell's, the Norris's had all gone. So, Obviously, yeah, is an F2 champion, one Formula E World Championship as well. So you have to say credential-wise, probably deserves it much more than Guan Yu Zhou does. But yeah, it's difficult. I think either of them could be good, uh, but Zhou wasn't particularly great against Callum Eilat on F2. So yeah, I think Nick de Vries would be, in terms of competitiveness, a bit better. And then you get another situation where you have to sort out the contracts with Toto because he's in a yeah. Ferrari team. And what a bizarre, silly season this is. I, I think to freeze. I, I would like to freeze. In an ideal Thanks. world, I would like to see Schumacher promoted from Haas to Alfa Romeo. That's the dream, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, um, de Vries seems like a solid shout he's a nice guy he's won some championships <laughs> um and yeah i would like to see him get a, a shot at formula one 
Um, but yeah, really, I, I like you said, I think Giovinazzi is a little too late with, you know, his amazing qualifying performance in Zandvoort, but like we joke about every week on the podcast with the ABCDEF1. Yeah, he anonymous until he really that quality is. performance. Exactly. And you can't sign a driver when the market is this competitive just because, mm. oh, well, they did a great job in Zanvoort. They got P7. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's not going to be, you know, you can't go to a contract talk with that, that one thing. I did this, you know, it's just, it's not going to work. So, yeah, I think chuck some new talent in there, freshen up the grid a little bit. Do you so. not think, do you guys not, I've kind of only just really thought about this, but, if you were Mick Schumacher, do you, and you know your your career progression has been they've been speaking about him. You know, you will be at Ferrari one day, and people think maybe you know Alpha's the next step. Do you not think you'd be a bit miffed as Mick Schumacher to feel like that seat? I guess there's no guarantee it's going to be better next year than a Haas, but. His, his relationship with Mazepin has clearly broken oh. down massively and he doesn't really want to be driving with him as a teammate anymore. And if I was Mick Schumacher as a Ferrari junior driver and Giovinazzi's seat is essentially being replaced, mm. I feel like I'd be a bit miffed if they're like, here, Mercedes junior, <laughs> Nick DeFries is getting it. You'd be like, well, like, Ferrari, what are you doing? If you're wanting to yeah. get me up the ladder... Why isn't that my seat? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I think, yeah, in terms of heart, obviously I'd love to see Mick Schumacher up there. Has he done enough to warrant a promotion this season? It hurts me to probably say no, because just, mm. you know, he has crashed a lot. He's crashed probably on, on par with Mazepin now, really, if you actually tossed it all up. So I don't think his performances are particularly going to affect him being in Formula One or not. Yeah, it is a weird one. It's a really weird one. I, there must be some reason as to why they wouldn't promote Mick um, and bring in a Mercedes Junior, as you say, Tommy. It's a very weird situation uh, to be looking at. But maybe it's just because Mick isn't, they don't see him as ready. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's very difficult. If I'd have read no rumors or anything of, you know, everyone saying it's probably going to be DeVries or, or Joe, if this had been announced that Giovinazzi is leaving, I think 99% of people mm. would say that's Mixie and then yeah. Schwarzman goes to Haas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's so, so strange that it's not, it, that's not the case, but. It begins to beg the question whether it's actually worth like these junior programs, because this silly season has just proven that you could be an Alpine junior. You could be a Mercedes. Well, apart from George, I guess being a Mercedes junior and actually going to Mercedes, it's happened guys, you know, after binning off Verline and Ocon, uh, a junior Mercedes junior has actually made it to the top team. Um, but yeah, in terms of like actual loyalties of being a junior for a team and then going somewhere completely different. Um, it's, this has been certainly a very silly season in that sense. Yeah, it's been absolutely mystifying. That last Alfa Romeo one, I think, uh, was, yeah, it baffled all of us, really, uh, a little bit. So we'll see uh, next week. As you said, Tommy, very good point about the Italian Grand Prix. It does seem like Antonio is very much directly in the recycling. Uh, maybe, I don't know where he'll go. Uh, who knows? But that's pretty much it, I think, for the crazy driver season that we've got going on in terms of changes. 
just checking Twitter. Just yeah, I'm just checking Twitter to make sure they're yeah. not announced. Uh, I, that's literally <laughs> just what I've just done. <laughs> I saw the face. I was like, Katie, you've got any final thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> reaction. No, no. It's just people speculating. I've just seen somebody suggest that Nico Hulkenberg could go to Alfa Romeo. So oh, I, mean, I honestly, I can't keep up. <laughs> any spare seat, people just go Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg. Yeah. And the, the yeah. real question is, as Vilnik asks, who will get Michael Massey's seat? K2, that's that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Maybe uh, in 20 years. Sam maybe. and I will be there. Yeah? No, I'm joking. Okay. I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wait to see that. Amazing. Katie, final thoughts, please. My final thoughts are, I hope that your arm is okay after holding the mic the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been exchanging it every so uh, a few minutes. Um, I've had my mic running out of battery as well. It's been a really smooth sailing podcast. I think I'm looking forward to seeing how your background develops as well on this. I mean, it has to develop somehow. It can't yeah. just stay like that, but... Uh, I think There's a just lot a Frank shrine, house, maybe but, something yeah. in the back like that. <laughs> well, I've got enough Schumacher pictures that there will be stuff going. Oh, okay, up, uh, yeah, that's for good. My shrine, but uh, yeah. And Tommy, thoughts uh, for you, please. Um, with all the chaos of our road trip, I'd almost forgotten that it's sprint quali. So oh, okay. we're watching quali it tomorrow, is. and then a two races. Good point. Good point. We are watching qualifying tomorrow, Friday. We're also watching live. Our first ever race together, sprint quali. Yeah, watch alongs for both. <laughs> qualifying and then sprint qualifying and then internet special reactions on Sunday, podcast on Monday, all the content you could ever dream of. We've had a busy week. Yeah, it's been... <laughs> it's been sorry if the energy's been slightly lower than usual, guys. Um, if I hadn't had to hold my microphone, maybe I would have been able to flap my arms around a bit more. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a long, old week. But hopefully you enjoyed that these, this driver changes video. Uh, we will be back, as I say, for all that content coming soon. Uh, stay tuned to our socials as to when we'll go live. And hashtag WTF1 podcast if you have anything else that you want to say in the meantime. Katie, Tommy, thank you so much, as always, for being my wonderful, lovely guests. And I'm sorry if I've been echoing this entire time. We'll see you very soon for another WTF1 podcast on Monday. Bye! Frank, <laughs> yawn if Juan Yuzhou's going to Oh to yeah, well, Mayo. Oh yeah. What about Yorn if Nick DeVries is going? Yorn if Nico Hulkenberg's going. Oh. <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg confirms to Alpha Romeo. Every time. <laughs>